This is The Business Machine, where we talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. We know that they, as high-energy, non-stop, inspirational leaders, are behind their well-oiled machines. We will get their tips and tools and also listen to their mistakes and how they overcame them. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines and create a great team so that our machines will eventually run themselves. So get ready. Up next, The Business Machine is firing up. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Business Machine. And we are firing up once again. I'm your host, Brian Town of Business Machine and CEO of Michigan Creative. And today, another exciting guest. Yes, I say that all the time, but once again, we have a great guest here. And Nick Cullen is the fearless and eccentric young entrepreneur who always believed that inside every successful self-made person is a poor kid who followed his dream. I love that. He is the founder of Second Flight Academy, a premier eight-week one-on-one growth hacking and marketing training program for business owners and marketers to learn how to accelerate their marketing efforts while saving their marketing costs. So we need Nick here at Michigan Creative, so we will ask him questions for us. So Nick, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, Brian? I am excited to be here, man. Thanks, brother, man. And we were just talking off the air, and Nick found us on New and Noteworthy, so that made me happy. So that's cool. It's working. Well, hey, man, you, you keep uh, rocking and rolling, man. You're going to yeah. be on uh, the top chart soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I should have picked a topic that was a little not so popular. You know, the talking about business and stuff is is, is is out there, but I think we have a unique one. And love talking to young people and, and tell our audience a little bit where you're from. Um, and you're out in, in Jersey. Is that correct? Yeah, right in Jersey. Un- unfortunately, because some people are like, "Ah, oh, no, this guy from Jersey." Jersey. I-, I don't know if I can listen to him for thirty minutes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but uh, but I was telling him, I was like, "I'm actually thinking about moving to Colorado." Yeah, it's different. It'd be totally different. To be be more in that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. So you have to learn how to hike and stuff, man. Because all those people out in Colorado, it's all about the outdoors. I'm big on that. I'm big right. on that. Except, you know, to get to a, a hiking trail in New Jersey, you kind of got to cross through a few freeways. <laughs> yeah, you can hike on the freeway. It's probably not allowed. So, Nick, tell us real quick here. You're at a networking party or just out at the bar hanging out uh, at a restaurant and somebody says, hey, man, what do you do? What would you tell them? I, I would say I I help develop growth hacking techniques and strategies that can help a business discover innovative ways to market their business online while reducing their marketing costs. So when it comes to growth hacking compared to traditional marketing, a lot of times I like to look at the growth hacking aspect are the things that are marketing techniques that people are just overlooking or not identifying. Yeah. So that way it helps business owners you know, tap a really undiscovered market and a new way to go about it, which the competitors are overlooking. Yeah. You know, we just had this conversation today and we're, you know, at Michigan Creative, the company that, that, you know, hosts this podcast and and started is we're always looking at new ways to help our clients market. And I don't know if it's like this in your area, but in our area, in a small town in in mid Michigan here, there are a lot of marketing companies and it seems like there's a new one popping up every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So really trying to find that unique um, way to do it or in a way that our clients, for example, are mid, mid-sized businesses, not huge, but definitely not mom and pop shops, you know, money's tight and they want to make sure that they're spending their money in a way that's going to bring in ultimately new clients or new customers. So how do you do that? And what are some ways that, because growth hacking, I can tell you, Nick, that growth hacking, the word that people don't get who are in businesses. They've probably never heard it. You and I have because we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, you know, we're podcasting. So we get it. We growth hacking is cool, but other businesses don't really understand what that means. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, sure, sure. So when I when you think of growth hacking, <clears throat> the whole term is it revolves around it. So when you think growth, you think you know scaling your business, getting from that point A to point B efficiently and effectively, and of course building an ROI for yourself. And then when you think of hacking, you know the whole term of hacking is essentially figuring out a way to disrupt what currently is the norm, but also developing ways of new methodologies around how you present yourself and how you solve a problem than what traditionally is what people do. So when you combine exponential growth with finding unique ways that other people aren't utilizing, it just creates this kind of like proprietary, you know, formula that works really well for your business. So Facebook is not the only social media platform, right? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) It's a popular one, but there's so many others. I think you talked about Reddit today, which, you know, we, I've heard of Reddit and we've, we've seen it. We don't use it, but now I'm going to start looking into it, but there's, you know, Instagram and Twitter and, and Periscope, and there's all these new things. And I think that what I like about what you're talking about is that it's not necessarily based around a certain platform because those are changing. I mean, who knows what we're going to be using? I mean, Periscope is what, six months old, maybe. I mean, who knows what we're going to be using in two years? I mean, Facebook just developed their own um, real-time kind of like communication, like Paris. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> I mean, everything's... It's mind-boggling. There's so it, much. It is. It is. I mean, if, if you have online ADD, you're, you're going to be all over the place. <laughs> just, yeah, I can't stand it. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. And our job is to help our clients sort of weave their way through that in a way that's not only effective, but... It's cost effective, but also does ultimately what they want. So, Nick, tell us and bring us back to when you started your company. You know, you always weren't run Second Flight Academy. You haven't always done that. So, there must have been a point where you're like, hey, I'm going to start this. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, Second Flight Academy was actually a spinoff of my my own marketing agency. So, okay, cool. I, I kind of had a, uh, a Jerry Maguire moment one night, and nice. it was after speaking with a few amazing entrepreneurs who you know had an amazing product, and they needed marketing. And f- unfortunately, those who need marketing the most sometimes can't afford the marketing cost of hiring a retainer, as you know, right. just from your own agency. And then you have companies who could afford the retainers, but you know, quite frankly, they're either overspending or doing, you know, very misguided decisions when it comes to what is actually efficient for them. Yep, yep we see that. And yeah. So when I started the academy, it was built, it was like two things were happening. I was seeing a really unique need in the market for those who are under service and they need the value more than anything. And I was also identifying my own personal, you know, frustration when, you know, I purchased like tens of thousands of dollars of these training modules for how to master Facebook, Twitter, and oh, all yeah. these books. Yeah, yeah. And there there were some really good ones, but the problem that it even left me being, you know, very savvy in this stuff already was the platforms made me really knowledgeable on the platforms. Right. And I still was left figuring out that secret sauce of how do I then apply what I just learned on, I know everything about how to use the power editor on Facebook, but I need to understand how I now create really stellar ads or how do I create really stellar content that's applicable to my business and my industry and who I serve. And that was always that missing piece because there were just cookie cutter video modules that they'll sell and they'll get as many people to buy it. And and that's it. So when I started my, this whole academy, I was like, you know what, you know, one of, one of the clients I brought in that brought the whole idea was, he was like, Nick, you know, 
we're a startup. We got a great amount of seed funding, but we need to focus our attention on development. And the amount of money we have left over from marketing, we should Not, really focus yeah. our, on our ads to get you know our uh, you know our product market fit. And you know, paying even if it's at the low end of two thousand or at the medium end, which is five to six, or at the high end of eight to ten for a marketing agency to do what they do, a company like that will burn through all the money that they actually should be focusing on, which is the advertisement to get that brand awareness out. So he came up to me and was like, hey, Nick, I would I would pay you for two months of your time that you would normally charge out. But if you could teach me and three interns that are don't have a clue on digital marketing, yeah, I like myself, it. you know, if you actually help us frame out what you would do, but teach us so that way we could scale it, replicate it, and then learn how we could take this to the next level without having to be kind of golden handcuffed into having an agency do it all for us. So yeah, that and way- ultimately, that's what you want. You want people to be invested in their company and to promote themselves internally if they can. It's just hard because number one, they don't know how. Number two, they don't have time. And then more importantly, yeah, interns are great. We can get interns all the time. They're awesome. But it, I mean, to train them in the way that's going to work for you and your clients, is, man, it, it really is tough. Yeah. I mean, if I have to hear another business owner say, you know, oh yeah, you know, we hired a college kid because he has his own Twitter. <laughs> he knows Facebook. To do, to yeah. do our Twitter strategy, I'm going to just bash my head against the wall. And that's, but that's the thing though. Yeah, there's, yeah. An edu- there's an educational gap especially when from the millennials who are starting their own business to, of course, the baby boomers who are hiring millennials and assuming that they know right. how to effectively create a digital marketing strategy. So when you marry the two and you're like, hey, I can teach you to do this so that way you can reduce your cost by 35 to up to 70% of what you would normally be doing and efficiently grow this thing and then educate yourself. So if you wanted down the road to hire an agency or someone to handle something, you're you know. that much more you know versatile and knowledgeable to even vet, but of course, identify if the agency is doing good things or also identify if the agency should pivot because business owners, I'm seeing this other trend too, it's, it's becoming a rat race for businesses, right? So a business, especially if they have the capital, shell out you know thousands of dollars to a retainer and then thousands of dollars to ads, they just find with the main marketing person in-house as like the, the liaison of the agency and the business, right? And they just kind of go up to them and say, hey, well, um, we need this strategy for you know next quarter. So I need you to identify an agency to do it, produce it, and then let's see how it goes. Yeah. And then depending on the results, they either repeat the steps with that same agency or they shop around again. So it's this constant rat race of like, okay, let's find another person, put all this money out. Let's find another agency, pull all this money out. But at the end of the day, the company's not becoming any far as far as educational knowledge or power, no, it's just you know, one to the next on. to the next. It's to one the next. thing yeah, to yeah. the next, yep, yep, yep. The next to the next, and the, the the main people inside the business are still not learning how to leverage or actually know what is the effective strategy. They're leaving it up to people who have no idea what the industry they're in, no idea what their buyer's market is, and they just expect people within a three to four weeks time to actually to build a strategy on a business that they just got introduced to. Yeah, and you know that's interesting. That's a unique way to approach a client too, because what we are up against all the time is there's a lot like i said before there's a lot of marketing companies in town so really it's just like who has the best pricing and who has the best results that they can show and and really it's all the same i mean it's we're doing the same thing of anybody else we're doing the ads we're doing the retargeting we're doing you know everybody's doing the same damn thing and so 
that is a little unique perspective. And I think that's something that you could really get into with businesses. Now, my question is though, Nick, to me, it seems like, okay, great. So Nick's going to show this, this company, all these great secrets, secrets of digital marketing. And then boy, they don't need Nick anymore. Is that something that you worried about or how do you, how do you fix that? So it's interesting. The Academy is kind of set up where we kind of want to come in, sell the farm, teach them everything they need to do. Yeah. And then be able to replicate it. But what we found was, you know, charging for our academy and after the eight weeks, we're also building such a rapport with yeah. students we're bringing in, right? Yep. Because there's this level of tran- complete transparency, you know, here's everything. Yeah, because yeah. you're right, because everybody hides it. Like no one around here is going to tell us who they're using to do their mark. Because typically if they're doing digital marketing, it's not, they're not doing it. They're just using somebody else and white labeling it. Exactly. Um, but they exactly. would never tell you that. No, no. So if you're like, hey, listen, you know, here's what I would use for this or here's what I'll do for that. Yep. And you're showing them like, you know, for for instead of getting four blogs and being charged fifteen hundred dollars for it with graphics, <laughs> you could actually develop that for less than five hundred bucks. Yeah, right. And you're showing them how to do this and replicate it. And then you put yourself in such a, a trustworthy position where after the eight weeks, you kind of set yourself up where they're like, Well, I just really enjoy speak meeting with them. He's so you kind of you kind of start selling the fact of what knowledge and creative aspect you could add value to the business. So they're like, well, if he can do this and he's open with us, what about this, Nick? And that's probably those conversations you have. Yeah, I get it. I like, I like it. Like it. After eight weeks, it kind of turns more into accountability and more strategic kind of conversations where they will hire us, but they know how to develop everything, but they wanted to keep us in touch. So that way we're making sure everything's still flowing the right way and we can start identifying how to progressively move it forward. But they're still getting it much cheaper than if they were like, hey, Nick, we want to take our hands off it. You do it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot different. It's, it's, it's more efficient for the business. And at the end of the day, it adds a level of trust, transparency, transparency and um, – you know, it, it just makes the business owner have the offensive, offensive rather than playing on the defense and hoping and waiting for results. Now, I don't want you to give away the whole book here, Nick, or the whole program, but give us just maybe a small little strategy that somebody out there would what I like to see is that when you when you present this or when you teach your students this is you probably get a lot of head nods and you're like, oh my gosh, this is sweet. What's one thing that maybe we're not looking at as as a company or a small business is not looking at that they could be like you know what I've never even heard of that I would I would think this would not work for us but it's working really well what is one of those pieces that you would that you often suggest to clients that they're like man that's a really good idea so it's going to actually sound like an obvious right okay but it's the foundation of even our whole academy and the most important thing is building a dynamic buyer's persona. Hmm. And now some people will be like, "Oh, I know my buyer's persona. It's like yeah, a, you know, it's it's a middle aged guy who, sure. you know, you know, works in finance. <laughs> and that's all they will tell you. But realistically, the thing that most people forget is that when you identify your buyer's persona, you know, good companies do just do that kind of like surface level. But great companies understand what makes them tick, their emotional levels, what what persuades them, what motivates them, what inspires them, what's what's their what's going on in their mind mentally that would trigger a impulse action when they see what you have, right? Yeah, and yeah. and I, I think the biggest thing, you know, business owners overlook is really identifying to a core 
how to find that and identify with that from copy to even what offering they want. And um, when you identify at that level, you start noticing a lot of things. You start noticing that, okay, I realize to a T who my audience is and what triggers them. So, but looking at this, they will never be on Twitter. Looking at this, they want to consume this information on this platform or yeah. they want to be reading blogs. And then you start realizing all the fluff that's out there that you got to be on all these platforms and you got to have all this stuff or you have to write about certain things goes out the window because now you're identifying with exactly what makes your customers tick, which will make them click, right? And at Tick the, to make them click. I like that. Tick to make them click. And once you identify with that, it's the easiest thing to do. And you could just completely brainstorm and figure out the why of your business, but the why of why your customer is, is even going through this, right? And then you, when you find that out and you discover that, then kind of all the pieces start to mold together and you start developing more personalized and cohesive marketing and branding. And, and the things that you're collaborating on has an end objective because you know who you're going after. Yeah. And I think we're guilty of this too. I shouldn't say this as a marketing company, but we are too. You know, we, we're just starting to do some ads for ourselves too. A lot of our business has been through relationships, but right now we're trying to go to the next level. And so I'm just assuming like, oh man, this would be great. You know, everybody needs video. So they're going to click on this. And if they're this business, but we found that the results aren't great yet. And I, you know, I think a lot of business owners kind of just think they know what people like and who their customers are, like you said earlier, and what would get them to click like, oh yeah, I like this. So I think that is a really interesting strategy. And I think it's something that is unique enough to where I could see how that could really help a small business. Mm -hmm. You know, one little tip is if you want to try figuring out once you identify your persona, right? And you yeah, know yeah. Who, the, who they are and you're trying to figure out, okay, I identified that this is what they are and what, this is what they have. But I have trouble figuring out those emotional things. I have trouble figuring out, you know, copy that could resonate with them. Right. I like to call it online eavesdropping where you read exactly, once you identify your persona, you go to the sources that they communicate on and just listen to a topic that's relative to what your service or product is, right? And when it, it almost, it could work for almost every product and service. But if you go on Amazon, right, and you look up books and then type in the product or service that you have. So for you being a marketing agency, you will look up things around what, now that you identify your persona, if it's a business owner or if it's a specific marketer or if it's a specific, you know, strategy that you're trying to sell, you look up that kind of keyword through books and then you read some of the comments of what people are actually resonating from that specific book. Okay. And you'll, I, you'll start seeing like the verbiage they use. They, you'll also start seeing what some of the things they still want and need that the book didn't supply or what are some of the things that they thought was extremely valuable. And then you start constructing like, okay, I'm seeing that even for the best-selling book in this category, still there's, missing. Some, there's some stuff still missing. Yeah, yeah. And there's some stuff that they actually really like. So that way, when you start constructing your copy, you almost kind of want to like take exactly verbatim how they're communicating it and how they felt to your ad copy or to your just regular landing page. Copy. Yeah. yeah. Cause it'd be like, Oh my gosh, that's so weird. I was just typing that in a comment. <laughs> exactly. Or you, the bigger goal you want is I feel like this company is actually speaking. They get it. They get it. Yeah. Like how are they reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect, man. It's brilliant. But that's, but that's exactly how we do it. And I mean, the first original people who started kind of mastering that were the infomercial guys. Oh, yeah. Right? They didn't have the targeting in place. But when you kind of resonated with 
the product or service they were selling, you're like, holy shit, this is exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm going through. <laughs> and, and that's and that's kind of like the same thing that you want to take online. But I feel like we get fogged with all the other things going on that we forget about the grassroots stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I like the infomercials because those are like, you can always see that person like, do you have this? And is this your problem? I could just see people at home sitting there going, oh my gosh, yeah, that's totally me. Mm-hmm. And they're really cheesy, but I see how they used to work. Exactly. So Nick, we'd like to look 10 years down the road, man. We'd like to look 20 years down the road and we don't do anything official like a strategic plan or anything like that. We probably should, but I like to, <laughs> I like to have that vision, man. I'm a big vision guy, creative guy. And I, I like to look and, and, and see what my company would look like in 10 years and really put it down on paper. So where do you see your company in 10 years? What's it look like? So in 10 years, the way I see it is I would love to build this business where the brand encompasses this whole ideology of growth hacking. And it develops into like other services and products that span from that. I, I have a, a, one of my biggest goals is, you know, the capital and revenue that we generate from everything that we're doing. I would love in 10 years where we develop our own kind of like accelerator program yeah. or we develop our own even kind of like VC fund where we identify these amazing companies that are, have so much potential and we help them invest getting their idea off the ground, but we supply complementary <clears throat> all the marketing growth hacking that they're going to need to get themselves in the market that is going to be competitive. And I can't imagine how competitive and all the tactics that are going to be in place 10 years from by now. By now, yeah, right. By I now. mean, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's going to be, you know, who knows? We'll probably, we may even have like a, uh, a microchip in us yeah. that could be used for I think, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of on the fence on that. I, I, I think I kind of might want that. And the reason why is because in the Matrix, and uh, you're a little bit young, but I think no, you no, probably. Big Matrix, so the coolest, the coolest scene for me in that is when he plugs in there, and then he's like, "I know judo, or I know kung fu." I think he says, "I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to know kung fu." Exactly right. <laughs> so that's why I want a chip. I don't want it for anything else. I just want to know kung fu. It's kind of like that whole limit limitless thing yeah oh man yeah yeah don't get me started on that yeah i like that idea nick of the accelerator too and there's a couple in detroit um that are have done a really good job and it does take some capital but i do like that because if you could really take a company that has a good idea or a couple companies and and really give them a process because we find that when we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and startups as well and because there's a great community here for it uh, in Lansing. But what we find is they're really good at what they do. They're really good at developing their product and they're really good at, at creating that app or whatever, but they know absolutely nothing about how to run a business and they know absolutely nothing about how to market their product. And I think that's pretty common. Oh yeah. Across the board. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're so tunnel vision sure. with the product and services that they, they don't know how to look at it from the outside looking in. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because what they always do, we, we go to a lot of these small pitch competitions and they're like, they always have the hockey stick for growth, you know? And it's like, it's like, well, there's 8 million iPhones in this area. And if only 10% of them download it, we're going to be millionaires. I'm like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work like that. Yeah. yeah turn it to, turn it to point zero zero five. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They're like, well, if we only had a hundred a month, I'm like, yeah, well, so that's cool, man. I love 10 years. I love looking at that. And who knows? I think in our field too, like we have no idea what's going to happen. And I think the way you're doing it is, is you're always teaching people what that best process is. And if that process changed, well, you'll just teach them that process. So I like it. 
So we call this the business machine, man, because we find that in talking to a lot of people that as small business owners, and especially if a single person company, we, we are a big part of that machine. Um, if something happens to me or any of my staff really that are core people here, um, that machine is going to struggle and not run as well. So you are a big part of that machine, if not the machine. If you're not there or it's time for you to move on, what have you done to make sure that business keeps going and, can, and it can keep running like a fine-tuned machine? Yeah, no problem. I could definitely share a good story on this. So when I first started my business, you know, like most entrepreneurs, uh, I was starting out as a solo entrepreneur. So I was just me, you know, <laughs> running the shop. Yeah. And <clears throat> once you reach a certain um threshold where you kind of start doubling your, your, your revenue, you know, a lot of things start to change and you start realizing like, all right, I only have two arms and one mind, you know, I'm going to need some extra help. I need some hands. So the biggest thing that I focused on very heavily for, a, for months was finding someone who wasn't just going to be a support person, wasn't going to be just an employee. I knew it was going to be important for me to identify who's going to be the partner in crime. The, you know, who's going to be the guy that I could trust and rely on and also has that same kind of passion and drive that I have that could work from five in the morning till like sure. midnight, but it, they love it. Like they absolutely love it and they love doing what they're doing. And I think, I think a lot of times, you know, business, businesses, especially startups or whoever, they, they look at sometimes the people that they hire as just another person working the task. Yeah, they need to get like we got this job. We got to have them do this, right? Yeah, we just got to have them do that. And, yeah. and and then you f- they start seeing that there's no motivation, there's no drive. There's there's they don't <clears throat> the business started because that passion and drive to get it off the ground. And when when you don't have those same kind of people with that same mindset, then it just starts having having this flat kind of vibe. So I knew when I first got myself going, I was like, I need someone who has. Who knows it? They're not. They're not off the the cloth kind of you know typical, you know working person that <clears throat> you would hire. This will need to be someone who, if I didn't start it, they probably would have done it too. And when I yeah. was I was looking around, it was funny how I matured. But this person was actually a client that I was helping him out with his with his own business, and we we developed a good relationship with it, one another. And I, he just graduated from uh, college. And I, I said to him, you know, hey, do you happen to know any people in college that uh, are just graduating that you know, <laughs> that could be a good fit? You know, I, I was first, I was like, I figured. Did, you know, did he say, hey, man, I'm standing right here? Yeah, it, actually, he was like, I'll think about it. Literally, two minutes later, I get a call from him. He's like, dude, honestly, you know, speaking with you, learning your story, because I'm only 25 and I never went to college. And I, I grew and built myself and hustled to sure. build this kind of business. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, I think for most people, especially people who are in my same generation, they're like, well, you must be doing something right. And I want to be a part of it, yeah, yeah. you know, and he called me up. He's like, Nick, you know, I love everything that you're working on and I want to be a part of it. And cool. I, I think I'm willing, you know, he, he, he created this cool um, product that was like a cooler that has a table in it and all these cool things. So it was like the perfect tailgating cooler. And he was like, dude, I'm not going to be selling coolers all my life. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty badass though. Cooler with, I got to see that. Yeah. It's called kick ice. So you got to okay, check cool, it out. Okay, cool. Cool. But, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, his name is Ryan, uh, Ryan Afflito. And he called me up and he was like, dude, listen, I want to be a part of this. I believe in what you're doing. And like, I'm willing, he, he, and this is where the shining moment came in. He's like, I'm willing 
to learn for two months without getting paid wow. exactly how to do what you do so well. And that's and, a little validation on what you're doing. Yeah, eh? That was a big key. And then the other key is, you know, I love, I love people who are willing to put their own skin in the game and reap the rewards. Cause at the end of the day, you know, it's easy. There's no emotional or personal strain when, when someone feels comfortable, when you're, when you're comfortable, you don't grow. Right. But yeah. when you start feeling uncomfortable, that's that feeling of feeling uncomfortable is because you're growing. And even when you look when you when you start getting older and you have those growing pains, it's uncomfortable, but your your body is growing, it's maturing. And when he said to me, you know, I want to work for you and I'd rather work for the upside. I I'd rather you here's here's my expenses, right? And for a college kid, it's really not that yeah, it's not much. <laughs> ramen like, ramen noodles, expense. some water. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, I just need to stay afloat. Yeah. This is all I need. This is all I need. And I will, I'm willing to work on the upside. And for me, that's a big, another big validation because, you know, in my head, you know, I went like four to six months, like burned through all my savings to get what I wanted to go. I risked it. I yeah. completely risked it. Yeah. And I, I admire people who are like, listen, I know you built this, but I, it's not fair to me to say like, okay, well, you're, you're already successful. Pay me $50,000 a year with, with you having all the risk without knowing me rather than the other way around. Yeah. But when he came to you like that, you knew then when he said that you're like, all right, this is going to be well worth my, my time and effort. And, and not just because of the amount that he was asking for, cause it was very little, but he, you know, you could see in him that he had that 10 year vision. Exactly. Exactly. Cause <clears throat> at the end of the day, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be sure. There's going to be really hard times. There's going to be emotional strains, and there's going to be, of course, upsides. And you need someone who's who's willing to invest that emotional element to it because money, you know, I could, you could easily afford. You know, you could pay someone to do what you want to do, but you can't pay for the emotional no. part. No, and that's that's the intangible. So when you find someone who connects with you in that intangible level, then that's the person you want to align yourself with because yeah. you know, ultimately that's the person who's going to stay committed, loyal, and also more importantly, sees the same objectives and goals as you do and is willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. We've got some people here just like that. And I like that. And, and it seems like that generation too. Yeah. They do want to make money, but it seems like what they really want is to know that what they're going to do is going to make a difference in your company. And I think that and culture is super important to these um, young people coming out of college and, and that millennial group is I don't think they're lazy. Um, and I don't think it's a lack of work ethic. I think that they really want to know that what they do and what their opinion is and what they do at work is going to make a difference at where they are. And we found some just really outstanding millennials. And so I really don't like when they get these, you know, these bad sort of, you know, ideas that they don't work very hard. So, Oh no, no. If anything, it's the, it's the old school baby boomer yeah. companies that yep. expect them to work as, like, like as a drone. And, sure. Yeah. They don't want to come nine to five. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. The, you know, what they need to do is and, and focus on how, what they're doing is, going towards a bigger, bigger thing that they get attributed to and they also receive the upside. Cool. All right, man, we're going to focus on mistakes. Uh, sure. I know you don't make any, so this is going to be a tough one for you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I told you earlier why we did this and we really wanted to focus on mistakes and, you know, not just focus on those, but really talk about what you learned from. So, Nick, what was your biggest mistake? Or, you know, if, if somebody was asking you, hey, I want to start a business, what would you say? Well, don't do this. Well, one of the first mistakes I made, and this was even mistakes I made in the early days of my marketing agency. I was fed the same logic, like you got to be on every, you got to be everywhere. 
right? You got to be on Facebook. You got to be on Twitter. You got to have a blog. You got to do all these things because that's what everyone told you to do, yeah. right? And I was like, okay, well, I got to do that for myself. And I also have to, you know, do the same thing for my clients. And I noticed something. It, it, was, it was the biggest mistake I probably ever made because you start realizing that content and different platforms all have different audiences and they all have different purposes. And when you try spreading across the board, especially if you try you say, all right, the same thing I post on Facebook, I'm going to do on Twitter and I'm also going to do on Instagram and also I'm going to do yep. on Pinterest. You start realizing that all the work that you put in to do that just looks half-baked. It, it's not applicable really or that optimized for that certain platform. Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. You start spreading yourself thin. You become you know, a, a, mile, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. God, I've said and, that on this podcast probably uh, almost every episode. I, know. I love that quote, man. I, I, but it's the truth. Yeah, it's, it is. It is the truth. Yeah. Because and then and then it kind of goes back into you know what do you need for someone to do, and what would I tell someone? I w- when someone t- comes to me and they're like, "Well, well, we got to be on social media." That's I already start to cringe because I'm like, "Oh, oh no, they're, really? they're going to be like, I need to be on this, I need to be on that, yeah, yeah. On this." And then I follow up and like, "Well, where's where where is your audience?" Where, where, what based on your persona, pers- audience buyer's persona, where where did they actually like to yeah, go on? They're not on Facebook, maybe, and and, and maybe they don't like seeing a hundred and forty character information. Yeah, maybe Twitter actually, is. Yeah, they've never even opened Twitter. Yeah, maybe maybe they prefer seeing a visual element. Yeah, right, right. So, so exactly, that's you know that was my biggest mistake, especially going into even things I did for my own clients very early in the day. I used to think that same way too. And then I, I took a step back and I, I understood like, wait a minute, this is all fluff. Yeah. There's really, a, there's a, a better way that turns way better on your ROI. So along that lines too, was there something as you got that figured out and we make mistakes all the time. And I think it's one of the reasons why we are where we are today. I think for our company, for Michigan creative is, you know, there's always that, well, if I would have started this years ago, but you know, I don't think we were ready then I wasn't ready then. And I think a lot of the lessons that we learned, I always wonder like, well, if we didn't do this, then we would have had this client. But then I'm like, if we didn't mess that up, we wouldn't be where we are today. So what was something as you started to run your business that you're like, this is going to work and I'm going to do it this way that didn't work? Yeah. So when I was in the early stages of my agency, um, I was trying to think of like unique ways that I could growth hack my, um, my, my client acquisition. And, <clears throat> you know, being a young entrepreneur, um, I was thinking, okay, I could put ads, but, you know, you're bootstrapped on capital and you can go to networking events, but you can't, you, you're yeah. only, yeah, you can just talk to so many people. And you can go and, to a networking event every night and every afternoon if you wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. And then in my head, I was like, wait a minute, I got to think of where the low hanging fruit are. And I thought the low hanging fruit, which is a good low hanging fruit, but at the time when I was talking about, it was just not resonating with the audience, which it goes back to the buyer's persona again. You know, I thought, okay, who are the trusted advisors and then for my business? And who caters to business and talks to them all the time? And I was thinking, okay, you know, accountants, business lawyers. All right. I was like, oh, you know, let me build relationships with those guys. And then let me work their network because they already built the trust and they look at their business and even their books. And yeah, it makes sense. They could, they could be the perfect resource. And they have hundreds of businesses and they could just feed it to me. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be perfect. And <laughs> I, I spent literally two months courting accountants and I've been sp- and business lawyers wow. who who are typically the age range of forty five to fifty five plus. Yep. Right. So these guys, you know, their 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 own websites could just go to prove like they're not 
no. really on yeah, digital. We don't work with lawyers anymore. That was a mistake. Yeah. They're cheap. Yeah. That and what they just don't understand. And they're unorganized. Yeah. And they don't get it. They don't get it. And they don't care. They, they do their business the first generation way. Yeah, that's right. So, so when you kind of come in, you're like, hey, I want to talk about growth hacking. I'm going to talk about digital marketing. I'm going to talk about all these things. You just start seeing them looking at you like like the purple cat from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. spin what is this great thing you talk about? Yeah. Exactly. It's a mystery. And, and I, I started realizing like, no matter how good of a presentation or how good I pitched it, how yeah. much value it would provide to not only, I was even trying to offer my services for them complimentary, but they just didn't get it. And in my head, I was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> why is, why is this not working? And I realized like, wait a minute, wait, these people don't get it because they don't do it and they don't understand it. And the way they do business and market their business is already a good in, you know, indicator that they would never even find this to be a value. Yeah. So if they can't find it a value, yeah, if they can't find a value or they can't even speak the language when they even try speaking to their clients, how are they supposed to even speak that language when they when they want to talk to it talk to me about it? Yeah, I can just so, see how that conversation Well, this kid was in here talking about something. I don't know, maybe you should give him a call and that was probably it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then and then a light bulb picked in. And I was like, Who are, who are people that already get this? And I was like, All right, people who are my age. And I was like, All right, there's startups. And then all right, there's accelerators. All right, there's investors. And that's kind of like when I, the light bulb came out, like, all right, that's the route I need to go. That's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the people I need to spend my time with, and that's the people who already get it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of when I realized, like, my persona wasn't <clears> – <throat> I tried taking a shortcut in it, you know, figuring these guys hold the golden key. But realistically, they're not my persona. They're not the right people to target and talk about my services to. Yeah, so you didn't do a persona when you started with those guys because if you would have, you would have been like, yeah, that's not going to work. Exactly. So uh, I, I full my, circle, man. You brought it full circle. Full I like circle, it. Full circle. <laughs> and that's kind of when I realized, like, it's it's really important. You can't assume things. You sure. Gotta, you got to look at the DNA of what makes you know the type of people you want tick and where they actually are. Yeah, and I bet you get people going. Really, that's that's my customer. Really, like they would probably go. I, I would have no. I wouldn't even. Or that's where my customer is. Really, you probably get that a lot, don't you? Oh yeah. 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 And sometimes they they even feel. Like, no way. I can't trust that. And yeah, then, we're not going to go for those guys. Yeah. yeah. Then you got to be like, just, just, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. You'll be very surprised. So I hate this term, Nick, but I'm going to use it. I got to come up with another one. I've said this every every single podcast that I hate this, but work-life balance um, a little bit. Um, how, do, how do you do that? Because like you said, and I know, uh, and you're probably just like we are, is, you know, we could be working 24-7. And typically we are. I mean, you know, our phones can connect us to just about anybody anywhere. How do you make sure that you're not getting burnout, even though you love it? And, and that's one thing I hate about work-life balance is that if you really love what you do, um, you know, you're not. It's not going to be like oh, I got to go to work. But we can't work all the time. Oh yeah. So what yeah. do you do? So you know, it's, it's, this is actually a very. This topic is very uh, near and dear to my heart. Good. So cool. the. Work-life balance, that, that is the hardest thing, I think, for any entrepreneur. I think it's actually harder than being making your business be successful because I feel I, I personally feel like if any person wants to be successful in life and have a successful business, if you put enough heart and energy on it, it's, it will come together. Yeah. But the things around your life won't. And, and having, you know, I, I 
I've been with now my fiance since I was in high school and um, we've been together for a really long time. She always knew, you know, I wanted to run my own business, but I was very successful with, you know, getting great positions based on my track record on things. So I always worked a nine to five. And one of the things I realized that, you know, I worked a nine to five and come five, I was able to mentally check out. Sure. Yeah. It's easy to do when you have a job. You can just walk out the door. I mean, I used to do it when I was a school teacher. It's like, all right, when I get home, that's it. Yeah, so you're 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 because you're not passionate about what you're doing. Right, right? that's you, that's why I ended up. Leaving. You don't think yeah. about it. You don't you don't care. Yeah, right, right. You know you get your paycheck whether you do a good job that day. That's right. Or or you just look on Facebook all day. So <laughs> you know you're getting you, you know you're getting paid. And then when I stopped that lifestyle because I knew that's not what I wanted, and I started my own business, a lot of things changed. So you know, it was hard. It was really hard to separate myself from what I was doing, especially when you work from home because your home is now your office and everything around you is not this barrier where you step into a door and now you're in another life. Your life of work is in the same life of life. Right. And yeah, yeah. when you have a significant other with you who isn't, isn't in that same wavelength as you, it's hard to separate it and understand where that person's coming from. And, I, I literally, I, I told, when, I, when we first started, I was like, hey, you got to give me an allowance of X amount of months where I'm kind of going to be a little disconnected. And, and I'm probably not going to think of dates. And I'm, I'm just going to be too consumed to myself and be a little selfish. But I would promise you that I'll make sure when things click, I want to make it all worth your while. Yeah, we're going to have time. We're going to do, yeah. Exactly. And even when things got good, you know, the whole more money, more problems I I, I started understanding that, (laughs) you know, because a lot of other things start coming up, but, but, you know, one of the things I literally started and and since we got engaged and we're we're getting married in March. Congratulations. Good for you. Thank you. And we're getting married in Maui. We're spending a a month honeymoon in Hawaii. I I got, I had, yeah, it's pretty, it's not that bad. Right. (laughs) Oh, I, you have, I had to learn, like, I can't be worried about work when I'm at the altar. I can't be worried about my money. And and I, I'm start. You, you got to condition yourself into it, right? And one of the things I started doing, and she's kind of like the enforcer on it. Um, you got to you got to learn h- how to stop it. And also, you know, getting off your phone is one thing. Getting sure. off the computer at a certain hour is another thing. But mentally, getting off of it because I used to just say, "Okay, I'm off. I'm done working." But you're not I'm connected, just, though. Yeah, I was sitting next to her. Sure watching tv and i'm just calculating things in my head and then she talked to me <laughs> like, what? and I, I would i would just resp- i'll respond with what i'm actually thinking in my head yeah, I know. <laughs> you know so so like learning how to mentally stop it is key and, and i i by finding like you know meditating and learning how to like take that time before i'm actually done with work, just kind of sitting for like 10 minutes. Yeah, I love that. That's a, you know, I started using this app called Headspace and it's just a meditation app, which I thought, oh, meditation, that's so hippy dippy, you know, man. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not, but uh, I started doing that. And even like you're saying, it doesn't have to be this like guided meditation, incense burning kind of thing, man. It's just kind of sitting and, and just not doing anything, but focusing on that moment is a really good way to kind of separate yourself from that, you know, that thought in your head of, hey, I got to do all this for all these clients, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I mean, for for instance, you know, you gotta think about it. Your mind is like a Ferrari. Oh yeah, you're, when you're in your entrepreneurial mindset, no, it's just racing. It's, it's it's a Ferrari going 200 miles down a straightaway. Yeah, right, with no brakes, and and then come that hour that you gotta stop. Like 
you can't just turn it off. It's not a switch. So you literally have to like slow it down and slow it down and you can't just go cold turkey on it. So yeah. I, I've been finding it useful. Like right before I'm about to end, yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll just stop and just clear, you know, think about everything that's going on. Think about what I got to do tomorrow and kind of just get it out and just slow it down and listen to something that's going to help mentally just slow it down. Yeah. I like that a lot at the end. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to do that because what I hate the most, I think two things. One is leaving when you have to be somewhere. Like I got to pick up the kids. I got to be at a certain event and then my staff still needs me. And so as I'm walking out the door, we're talking, you know, it's, we're talking about Mm -hmm. clients, we're doing this and we're sending emails and they're going to stay and work and then I'm going to leave. And then it's just, you get in the car and you're like, Oh, all the way home. Oh yeah. Terrible, terrible. (laughs) In the morning, what I've learned too, that I cannot absolutely cannot look at my phone before I get to work because what happens is if I wake up and I look at my phone and check my email or social media or whatever, there's always something. And so in the shower, while I'm eating, while I'm talking to my wife and the kids, taking them to school and then driving to work, I'm thinking about that the whole time. And it's just a really shitty way to start your day. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I I found the same way. Like if I don't take care of the things I need to do in the morning and I just jump right into it, I'll realize that I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. And then I'm four o'clock. I'm like, why is my stomach like sounding like a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Yeah. That's my today, (laughs) man. I'm starving right now. I'm like, why am I so hungry? I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't eat breakfast this morning. Yeah. You just kind of like binge eat and people are like like extreme munchies. But uh, it's, it's exactly like if you don't know, it's kind of like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. You could totally turn into Mr. Hyde if you let it overcome you Easy, but, and, and, and it can ruin your life. Like, honestly, if I didn't straighten myself out, I, I was making all the money in the world, right? For a 20, I was 24, 24 year old kid, you know, going now I'm 25. I oh, was you're making, so much older now. Yeah. So much older. I'm wiser. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if anything, I feel like I, I developed, a, you know, a maturity of someone who's 10 years older by looking at But you at had to. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. Because if you don't, your life would be ruined. Yeah. Your life would be ruined. If I didn't check myself, I would have completely wrecked myself. No, 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 uh, no pun intended with <laughs> the lyrics. But I, I would have lost the person I was with for eight years of my life. Sure. You know, and, and having all the money in the world and all those things I could offer would have meant nothing. And and something I look back on, and I think for most people who struggle with the work life balance aspect, like. Even for me, like when I when I have to, you know, hard stop something because something I have to take care of in my personal life, like I literally have to step back and realize, I'm no one's gonna die if I don't get this right now. Yeah, and, that's and, a good. Yeah, and you gotta say it a lot, but yeah. Yeah, no one's gonna die if I get an email that someone's like, I need this exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I have to think like, okay, he just needs something super small, and it's gonna take up maybe fifteen to thirty minutes of my yeah. time. This is what I need to do for my personal life. It needs to be done now. And he's going to be fine if I can't get to it till the next day. Right. Because he's not he's not on life support. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this certain thing is not going to, you know, kill him. You know, and, and we already made the expectations that this is not even a part of the deadline. So, like, I, you kind of got to look back and be like, okay, is this real? What's – I got to pride – you separate the priorities and work in business – work in life and realize, okay, this is going to be the thing that's actually – 
at the end of the day important. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, and really, you know, one of our things that we have a hard time with too is we have so many things to do at any given time. We've got all these different things that we have to do and have to get done that we sometimes get overwhelmed and what do I start on now and then do I do this and this and this and then you end up not doing anything because you're just so overwhelmed. So what we found is that, and what I found, this is mostly for me, my staff's better, better at it than I am, but if I can make a, a, a list, I've got a huge list and probably multiple lists, but if I can take from that list just small little to-dos and take one or two of them at a time and, and really work on those, that's where we're most effective. That's where I'm most effective. Oh, yeah, same way. Like We have our own base camp of all the things that we have cool, to go. Cool, yeah, we use Slack, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so like we literally just we see the list, and it could be sometimes daunting, but oh, yeah. you see what... You know, you, then you chunk it out to what's actually coming up in the next like one to two days, and it's much smaller, and then you get, it's all actionable. Where in maybe in your head you're like, "Oh my god, the sky is falling! I got this, 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 and this, and this." I only have six hours of the day that I got to do this. <laughs> yeah, I look at <laughs> yeah, it's like, how is it going to get done? How is this possible? But when you actually put it on paper, and you're like, "Okay, this will only take me ten minutes," sure. and then you and then you keep yourself accountable, and maybe I I started putting a stopwatch, like if I'm going to be working on something for someone. I literally say, okay, I'm only going to allocate 15 to 30 minutes of my time. I'm going to throw my headphones on and I'm going to listen to some sort of like funkadelic <laughs> music or some Perfect. sort of weird ambient sounds that supposedly help your productivity, which in fact it does. Like Brain FM, I started playing with that. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's the weirdest sounds in the world, but for some reason it like channels you in <laughs> and like you, you could blaze through things without blinking. And, um, but that's one of the things I had to do because got to figure out like how to make the most efficient of your time really without cool. thinking yeah it's gonna throw you off track yeah because even music might be able to do that too because you're like oh yeah i remember this time when we were listening to this song yeah i can see that yeah right throw you man so what do you think you know we're gonna go through these last questions here pretty quick nick before we do though what do you think is something that you have to work on what's your biggest fault and what's something that you always got to check yourself to make sure that you don't get into that you know the thing that you do that you know that you always have to work on and if we talk to your fiance i'm sure the list would be really long right because <laughs> so so i i i don't know it could be you know I, I always get excited before things are ready to be excited. Yeah, right. So, so for instance, like I'll have a great call with someone, and they're like, "Oh, I'm ready to do it." <clears throat> I'll assume the clothes are ready, and I'll be, "Oh, great! I'm already, you know, counting the chickens before they hatch." Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, what? The, it's great to be motivated, happy, and expired, but it's even more of a letdown when things fall apart. Yeah. You know, and somebody said that to me too, and I didn't really get it until it happens. Like, yeah, the lows suck. Like it's hard. Like when you don't get a client like that, you know, that's bad. Or if you lose a client or something like that and the lows are hard, he said, but the highs are hard too, because sometimes you get so excited about something and then if it doesn't work out like you thought it would, or, you know, it's just, it becomes all of a sudden like, yeah, we got this really big client, but oh gosh, this is going to be a lot of work. So yeah, I get it, man. I get how those, uh, we do the same thing here. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a kiss of death. It, yeah. It's like literally, it would be your own worst out of me. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's so, it's so awesome to be like, Oh great. I talked to like five people this week and each one of those people are going to be X amount of dollars. And I'm going to possibly have like a, uh, $40,000 week and you're yeah. like so excited and you're thinking already of the vacation you want to use with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden half of them come in. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then, and then you realize like maybe one only comes in. Yeah. yeah I know that, that, that feeling. Great, but you already thought of like it already happening. And yeah. Like, sucks. I'm a close one person. And in all actuality, that would have been great if you didn't, you know, 
hype it up in your head. Yeah, yeah, it would have been awesome if you just got the one and you would have been excited. Mm-hmm. So big quote guy here, love quotes. What's your favorite quote? Oh, you, you mentioned it in the beginning of my uh, intro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, really, really love the whole, you know, inside every self-made successful person was a poor kid who followed his dream. And it, it resonates really well with, him, well with me because when I was 17 years old, I was living on my own. Uh, I was forced to live on my own. Wow. And I, you know, statistically, I shouldn't have been successful. You yeah, know, you shouldn't have made it, yeah. I never went to college. I never, you know, I didn't come from a family that had connections. I didn't have connections. And I, I, I had to do it on my own, you know. And to me, like, I was, I was a kid who literally, in the beginning, when I was 18 years old, I couldn't pay, like, a $200, like, credit card. you know it it was like it was hard it was just the struggle was real because it was there it happens and even though like you can make some money here but here and there but you always still try pushing yourself nothing satisfies you yet and but it's because you know how hard it is when you don't have it and you know for 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 me like any person could do it is if they actually 100% put themselves into what they actually want to accomplish and you know for me like the inside every self made successful person was a poor kid who followed his dream it's so true and i'll look at the face value of these eccentric millionaires and billionaires and they forget like where it all started and oftentimes it's a person who had nothing yeah and yeah they do yeah you talk about some of the failure failures that some of the most successful people had i mean gosh we hear podcasts all the time those like yeah i bankrupt three companies and now we're doing this it's like oh my gosh i don't even want to bankrupt one but mm-hmm. it could happen i think you need to give yourself a little more credit too nick because i don't think anybody can do it i think if that was the case a lot more people would be i think it takes a it, it takes a little more than just any person i think it's all possible if you work hard enough but to take that step and to do it i think is the biggest hurdle that a lot of people can't get over Oh yeah. And, and it's just overcoming that fear. Yeah, it is. That's all. Yeah. It's like my fear and that's, and still we have fear every day. I guess my biggest fear is, is, well, what if it doesn't work? You know, what, what if this doesn't work? And I was talking to some people and they're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I'm like, okay, well, the worst that could happen, you know, my employees are all super talented. They would be snatched up. No problem. They would all have jobs. Um, and I would find a job, you know, or start a new company. I wouldn't be no problem have enough connections. And I guess the, my biggest fear is that I'd have to show up in places and go, Hey, there's that guy that didn't make that company work. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the worst that could happen. Yeah. So exactly. what's a business book that you can give us that you would suggest that, and there's so many of them, but what's a book that you would suggest to our listeners? I think the book that started it all for me was Think and Grow Rich. Yeah you know, by Napoleon Hill. And I think when you, when you're young and you're going through a lot and you want to be at a certain level, you know, a lot of times we could think like it's, it's impossible for me, but there is a mindset. I mean, it's that whole law of attraction and, and, you know, I don't know. It it, it sounds kind of funky. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. But but you're right. But it it is like when you think it and, you know, conspire in your mind and focus so hard on it, it, things can actually come together sure and it's fun to think about it's great to think about but like when you actually obsess over it almost where (laughs) it's crazy when you actually obsess kind of over it and you mentally think about it so much and you you try putting things together where things could automatically click i mean napoleon that book just like opened my mind to this whole like psychological even kind of spiritual thing where it's possible if you open your mind to 
Yeah. So it sounds weird. I know what you're saying, man. It sounds, it sounds like it's oh, here we go, but no, I know. I hope I didn't lose any. No, no, no. I think most of our listeners agree, agree with it, but I get it. I, when you tell somebody that who's not really in it, um, you know, in, in the, in the nest, like you and I are, like I like to call it uh, Yeah. yeah, man, I get, you probably get some eye rolls. Yeah, I mean, and those who who are like, "What is going on right now?" I, I really encourage them to read the book. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even if you don't, you know, just Google like "Think and Grow Rich" PDF, and you'll find a free copy out there. Cool. And, and just read like the first two chapters, and you'll just you'll see something. Cool. You, know, you, you can take away from it. If you could meet and have dinner with any business owner, man, who would it be? Or a person? I guess it doesn't have to be a business owner, but who would it um, be and why? Richard Branson. By yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's the fault. Right? No, I don't think so, man. No, I don't think so. I, I, I think that would be a really interesting dinner. Yeah, I, I, just some, you know his story. Is just yeah, incredible, and I, I feel like you know there's a lot of people who you know I don't know. This is like I feel like if I had to meet someone who's already successful and already has their stuff together, yeah, I feel like there's I don't know. I feel like he would actually give me his hundred percent undivided attention and and give me genuine responses in time yeah i think he you know? yeah if you could hook that up i think if he was there and he said yeah well we're going to do this no matter who you were i think if he decided to schedule it i, I agree with you but i don't know yeah. i've never met the guy he seems I, like that kind of guy i mean i only say that because like i won't name his name in case he listens to your podcast and then he hates me but like <laughs> I, I i had there was one one person i really wanted to meet with and i had the opportunity to meet with him and, and have lunch with him and it, it just felt like it actually made me like upset afterward because I felt like I wasn't at, he made me feel I wasn't at that caliber. Yeah. Like, well, you know, this could work, but you're not me. So yeah, kind of, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're kind of like, really, you know, like <laughs> it's kind of like when people like find their, you know, you know, athlete and they, they adore them so much and then they and try to get an a, autograph and yeah. they're just like, yeah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, but, but, but I feel if I had to meet anyone that actually had that opportunity, I, I really feel just from seeing, hearing what other people said, and and even hearing how it, how you know it speaks with other people. Yeah, I, agree. I really feel like he would actually give me that time and attention, and actually be genuine with his time with me. So yeah, cool. That's why. So give us some technology, man. What's an app or some some uh, technology or software that you could not live without? I cannot live without this platform. Uh, at plugin called Yesware. Yesware. Are you familiar with it? I am not. No worries. So Yesware is a plugin for Gmail and Outlook. It like turns your <laughs> it turns your email into a um, kind of like a CIA agent slash you know steroid running email provider. I like all that CIA yeah, right? <laughs> steroid. Come on. So so here's what it does. Like for instance, when we email back and forth, I'm able to identify. Every single time you open your email or open an attachment, I can read. I can see if I sent you an attachment, um, how long you looked at it, the pages you looked at it. Oh, man, I'm nervous. Did I open your email? Yeah, you opened my email. Okay, good. (laughs) But here's the cool thing, though. Follow-up is the most important thing. Yep. Even in email, whether in your marketing, sales, whatever it might be, follow-up is the most important thing. And oftentimes when you send an email, people are like, oh, I don't know if they opened my email. and I'm afraid to call them and seem like needy and whatnot. And this, what this allows you to do is actually see like how engaged people are with your email. You could kind of assume like, okay, they open it like three times in the span of 15 minutes. So they're probably going to email me any second. Or maybe I could just give them a call. 
say, hey, I was thinking of you. And then they're like, oh, I was thinking of you too. Uh. <laughs> you know, and, and what's really cool about it is the mail merge uh, functionality. It's great. So you could create a mail merge campaign and then set it up where it automates the fields that you want, but keep it extremely customized. And it doesn't come through like a MailChimp, but you can kind of identify, all right, that's a MailChimp email. It actually looks like a composed email. Gotcha. And then you can set up triggers where if someone doesn't open it, you can set up an automatic honor to send out. It's like X amount of days if someone hasn't replied to my email, it would say, hey, you know, I can set it up. My generic one I usually say is like, you know, hey, you know, hey, Brian, you know, I know my inbox gets crazy too, and I just want to make sure you saw this email. Kind of help bump it up, you know, and the response rate and the reply rate and the open rate are just off the charts cool. when you set it up. Because how many times have you sent an email to someone and you're like, all right, mentally, I'm putting a bookmark that I'm going to follow up in a week. Yeah, but you don't, yeah. But then you forget. Yep. So what this does is it allows you to set up the 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 reminder and also the autoresponder to happen in case you happen to forget. Gotcha. Love it. Love it. What is your favorite place to eat? Where is your what? Where's your favorite place to eat or drink in your area, man? So if we ever come out there to see it, we want to hit this place up. Where is it? So if you're ever in New Jersey in the Roseland, kind of Morris County, uh, actually more Essex County area, um, there's this place called Doe. I've been like artisan style like brick oven kind of pizza mm. and i'm a big pizza guy I yeah me too every single day and this place is just off the charts it's funny my fiance and i found out that we kind of ate there like four days in a row when the waitress who's always there i was like <laughs> wow you're back like, again this is your fourth time do you realize that? i'm like holy shit yeah yeah <laughs> we, we we bring a lot of business to you yeah so, we got a pizza place uh in town here that they have seen my boys grow up and they, and they know them very well <laughs> you know we've been going for a long time in my office used to be right across the street from it and and we would we would go there quite quite often so i could eat pizza every day i think oh dude pizza is something i could have all the time every single day (laughs) that's what i'm gonna go get for lunch now (laughs) too bad you're not over here yeah man so people are listening to this they love what you got to say they want to hear more about it what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and see what second flight can do for them so they can, of course, go to Second Flight Academy, and second is spelled out, you know, S-E-C-O-N-D, uh, flight, F-L-I-G-H-T, of course, academy.com. And um, you can see the website. We have a great webinar on there called The Secrets of Growth Hacking that marketing agencies don't want you to know. Cool. Um, so it gives a lot of great content in that. Um, we also have an area that you can schedule time to actually speak with me uh, to actually do a complimentary growth hacking breakthrough session. And yeah. trust me, it's not... A sales pitch for forty five minutes right. actually give you so much so much information that you know you could literally hang up and start doing it yourself. Cool. But, yeah, I saw I'm gonna sign up for that because I, I plus you use the same app that we use to schedule, so that's cool. Meet me is an awesome app. It's awesome. Yeah. And um or if anyone wants to reach me directly, you know, they can of course reach out through um, Nick at secondflightacademy.com. Cool. And we'll have all yeah. that in the show notes as, as well, Nick. So thanks, man. Thanks. Last uh, thing, it's a big one though. What do you think or what do you hope that your legacy will be? I would love if it, my legacy would be if I could be re- if I could be remembered as someone who helped them become a le- legacy as well, that would make me happy. That would be cool. Making yeah. other people a legacy. Yes. 
Nick, thanks a lot, man. It was great to talk to you. I'm glad you found us on iTunes and reached out. I'm sure we're going to be talking here in the future. And I really appreciate your time today. And, and good luck with the, with the marriage and the awesome uh, trip out to Hawaii. And, and uh, let us know if you move. Totally, man. We'll be in touch, brother. Cool. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right, man. Thanks. And that was Nick Cullen from Second Flight Academy, giving us all kinds of great advice on growth hacking. All his stuff will be in show notes, and you can visit him online as well. Great guy. Um, Awesome guest here on The Business Machine. Thanks for joining us. Again, I'm Brian Town, the host of Business Machine and CEO of Michigan Creative, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys.